1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. I appreciate everybody listening to this podcast. It means the world to me and hopefully you find value. This episode is amazing. Uh, it's with the dog owner who's just about ready to give up because her dog is just uh, really uh, throwing her throwing her for a loop and she's having a really tough time. And I think it's just heartwarming, uh, her ability to to really hold on to hope and Hopefully, make some changes. So I know you guys are going to like this. I know you're going to find lots of value into this. At the end of the podcast, if you guys have questions as listeners, I answer your listening questions in the iTunes review chart. So if you want to ask me a specific question about your your dog, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review uh, or leave your question in the review. And also, I'm going to be coming to Portugal, Porto, Portugal in May. If you guys are in the area over in Europe. Uh, or you're that way at all, you can uh, come see me live and hang out with me for the weekend. I'm very excited to go over to Porto, Portugal this May. All ticket and information is in the link in the description. I'll talk to you guys at the end of the podcast.
2: So, I have um, a great Dane American Bulldog mix. He's three and a half. Um, I've had him his whole life. Um, I will say he was born in 2020, so I did not do a good enough job socializing him. And then he went through a really terrible hip surgery. Um, I feel like that was at a year old. So he really did not get out of the house much. And we lived in the country. Um, and I just did a really bad job with this dog. So now I don't live where I was in the country and we're in an apartment and it is just, just hell.
1: Mm, okay. Meaning socialization with people. So when he sees people, he's reactive, fearful, etc. Is that what you mean?
2: Yeah. He's super insecure. He's a hundred pounds um he's very aggressive reactive like it's not even manageable mm-hmm. um god it's like it is i'm sorry i'm just exhausted mm-hmm. um and like we have gone to a couple different trainers locally to me we've gone so we're e collar trained he's really obedient but it just when he's in that panic nothing can help him so the e collar was working for an extended period of time to get it manageable but now, um, maybe I'm using it incorrectly or it's just not something he should be using. Like, I feel like he's getting more annoyed at me and he's starting to react at me when I'm using even just the vibrate.
1: Okay. Why don't you walk me through the process of, of his reactivity? So, let's, <clears throat> when is this happening? When you're, when you're outside and you see other people?
2: Yeah. Anything that moves at this point, it's so embarrassing and horrible. Like, dogs make it worse. He can, sometimes he surprises me and he gets away with, he'll let some people, as long as they're at a certain amount of distance, he surprises me and he doesn't react. But then if they look at him, he just goes nuts, no matter what the distance is.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: So, I do think he's trainable. It just, like, in this apartment, um, it sucks. I just... Yeah. There's not anywhere where he's not triggered and I feel horrible because I feel like his nervous system, he's just like, you know, he's very panicky and I totally understand why he is, but I cannot help him.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So we'll start with what's your obedience like? Obedience is your control, your communication, your ability to talk to him when he is reactive or even before that, before he's even yeah. reactive. What's that look like?
2: Um, he definitely doesn't look at me at like a leader. Like, I feel like he gets away with a lot of things. Uh, he's very stubborn and very smart. He anticipates my every move. <laughs> so that definitely needs to get better, but he is obedient. He does know his commands. Um, mm-hmm. so when but you s- honestly, if he's getting reactive, I, I could just fuck off. He does not care.
1: Okay. When you say he takes advantage of you, how so? like, w- he
2: herds me like he'll move me to the bedroom at the evenings if he wants to go to bed like okay he walks in front of me i even i do the threshold where i make him sit and that has started to help before we go through any door no matter what but he is just super entitled and okay he is the boss
1: got it sounds like you got it pretty figured out when you're working with him uh with obedience uh how often are you doing that if at all
2: So at least a couple times a night, um, okay. That's, that's like when he just needs headspace, when I need to just work his brain, we'll do like place, we'll do like basic commands in the apartment Mm -hmm. and that's maybe like five minutes a day, just here and there.
1: Okay. All right. So let's, let's do this. I would, I would say, I would say this best thing to do is to, um, Take a step back a little bit and there's a lot that goes into dog behavior, owning a dog, etc. There's genetics, there's uh, training, there's structure, there's, there's a whole ecosystem that comes into play when you're developing an animal and they all play a role. And sometimes you could do really, really great in one end of the spectrum and then the other end, not too great. And there's nothing you can do about those things. So uh, whenever you're dealing with a dog that has behavioral issues, reactivity, fear, confidence, so let's just start with the confidence and fear that can stem from literally a million different things. But let's talk about the the classical ones that we see, the traditional ones that we see um, more consistently with pet owners. The first thing is, I guess there's three. There's genetics of the dog being born a terrified, scaredy cat, and that's because mom was, dad was, their grandparents were, etc. There's ways that you can go around that. There's things that you can do to work with that. That's not the end-all, be-all, but it does restrict some progression, and you'll have to manage things. Second thing would be your relationship. So if you don't have a good relationship with your dog, dogs being very relationship based creatures, they want you to be the leader, which means they want you to tell them what they can and can't do. Because it's not because they want you to be this like role model, it's more about, they're not good at that. They're like, tell me what I can and can't do. Tell me if I can do this. Tell me if I can do that. They, that's how they thrive in life. And then, and so if you don't have good obedience slash communication, because that's what obedience is, it's baseline communication. Tell you so when you're working and teaching your dog how to sit on the upscale or the the, the bigger picture of the macro, you're teaching your dog how to do a behavior. Um, or mm. you know, but but you're also at the same exact time building a good relationship with your dog because you're communicating, you're using your leash, you're using rewards, you're using punishment, you're you're developing a relationship at the same time as developing obedience. And the third thing is 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 that obedience. it's It's going to be a mixture of genetics, your relationship, and obedience slash communication slash control. So if those are the typical things that we see dogs get fearful and insecure of, they basically say, "Hey, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, I don't have any skill sets. Now I'm fearful, and I'm going to take advantage over certain certain situations. So some dogs have that personality as well, where if you give them an inch, They go, I got your number and they take a mile and they check you and they don't, some of them do, but a lot of times they're not doing it intentionally to see what they can get away with. But certainly that, that is some of the cases. Sometimes they just step a boundary. You don't do anything about that overstepping a boundary and then it accumulates this threshold for them that they can get away with a very big thing all the time. So if you say no or leave it or blah, 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 and your dog just takes advantage of you, and you don't do anything about it or handle it or fix it or dissolve the situation, then that's them getting away with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's where that kind of comes from. Then when you get the reaction, it's typically a, it's an underlying factor of what we just talked about, which is fear, confidence, <clears throat> etc. So when your dog doesn't feel confident with you, again, because you haven't spent enough time with... Maybe the, the relationship-based um, obedience, maybe the dog feels vulnerable with you or maybe the dog feels whatever. There's also just a case that there's a chance that the dog just doesn't like people or wasn't socialized properly. And so you go back down to management. So the personality of the dog, right? You were raising this dog in a rural area, then you moved into an apartment and now it's a completely different situation. Mm-hmm. So my point is, is there's, you can't tell a fish not to swim sometimes. So if you get a dog, Mm -hmm. it's inevitable that they go through who they are. And then depending on how much skill sets you have, uh, with the dog and how much control you have in in relationship with the dog is what you can get away with, with that. You can manage the situation, but you're not going to be able to tell the dog to like new people or even tolerate new people or whatever. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, we see this a lot in like the working dog world. People get these really high drivey, super, super high end, like always on the go working dogs and they live outside. They live in a kennel. Um, They're created most of their life. They come out, they work, they go back in. They're not good pets. They're not bred to be pets. Those are the types of dogs that we can't have necessarily around kids or other dogs or older dogs or even other dogs just in general. Like they just, Mm -hmm. that's their personality, right? That's the genetics that were bred into those dogs. And- Oftentimes you can predict that through good breeding protocols, but you also have to wait six to 12 months to figure out who the dog matures into. And then you start figuring things out and then you make a move to say, Hey, this doesn't suit my family right now or at all. And then you make different changes. So anyway, your situation kind of similar. Yeah, I can get this dog. Everything's great. Or at least there's no problems. You, your circumstances change. And now this dog, this square Is now being almost forced to live in this round hole, which I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that's one way to look at it, that maybe this dog wasn't a city dog, but now is a city dog or has to be. Mm -hmm. But I would more lean towards control and obedience. Okay. With what you're saying. so. Like you said, um, you know, first things that we start talking about is like how good's your relationship, how good's your communication, your obedience. And you said, well, if he really wants to do something, he's going to blow me off. Screw you, mom. I'm yeah. going to do what I want to do. So that's first step. Um, so his reactivity is secondary to control. That means if I said, okay, put your dog into a sit and a stay, and I'm going to walk by another dog, and he historically hates dogs, lights up with dogs. Your dog gets up out of the place, lunges and barks towards the dog. Totally. You are in your head looking at that situation of my my problem is the reactivity. Okay. But from a further scale out, I'm looking at that situation to say your problem is actually your obedience. Because if you had a better downstay or sit stay, that never would have happened. The problem wouldn't have happened.
2: Mm-hmm. You're right.
1: Okay. So I'm um, good. I'm glad that that makes sense because sometimes that's like a whole mind game for but like what? So, okay, good. But, but to be fair, there's some things that you can't control. So like a dog that lunges towards your dog or a person coming up being an idiot and trying to pet your dog or whatever. There's those things we're going to talk about, but I want you to have like the right kind of headspace as we move into this conversation and talk about these things that I would really want you to look at it from that point of view is Right. And I don't
2: expect him to like love everyone and be that. He's not a golden retriever. I don't expect him to be. I just want him to listen to me.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's so exactly. So diluting down our conversation thus far is, you know, exactly that. Like, Hey, we don't necessarily have maybe a reactivity problem, but we have more of a lack of obedience problem.
2: Okay.
1: So that's the first thing I want. That's how I want you to look at the equation and how I want you to look at the situation in the beginning mm-hmm. is, is that like, that's the first thing I, and th- this is what's made my clients historically very successful is because they're looking at the wrong thing. They're trying to, and then it becomes here. This is an interesting, it becomes this loop too. So the reason the dog is reactive in the first place, lunging at other people and whatever, is because of the lack of obedience. And so it's kind of like right. you're you're the problem and the solution if it's a confidence thing. So the dog's fearful, vulnerable, insecure. Somebody comes walking by because you haven't developed that relationship with them, which means... Getting him out, working on thresholds, holding him accountable, creating boundaries, creating all sorts of different variables that he you know needs to respond to. You don't have that relationship, so he's like, "Oh, there's somebody coming." I love my mom, but I don't trust her because we don't have that relationship. She's she's she panics, whatever. That's how he's looking at it potentially. Totally. So then a person comes out and he goes, "I got this." Whew, flies at the end of the leash. You're holding on. You're upset because he's reacting, but really you're also the problem and the reason why he's reacting. So that so oftentimes when people come into my facility and we work on these behavioral issues these external problems on the on the outside that's the first thing i work on is they and, and if you watch my youtube channel you'll see it literally a thousand times plus with
2: oh i watch your channel i promise <laughs> okay cool
1: cool so you'll see that like after having this conversation you watch another video you're going to see the template it's a very easy it's a very easy template somebody comes in with a behavioral problem I say, let's go out back, ask your dog to heal. Dog doesn't listen to them at all. Yeah. Tell your dog to sit. Uh, they probably won't. 70% chance the dog won't sit. If they do sit, they're going to put their butt on the ground for two seconds, realize there's no food, they get right up. So their, their relationship is so wacky. So what I spend literally a day and a half doing is really tuning up their obedience and strengthening and even in some cases starting their relationship with their dog. And then when they get into group class on Saturday, the dog's not reactive. So the owners are like, oh my God, you stopped the reactivity. And it might look like that, but I'm like, no, I didn't. I solved and or worked on the problem that created the reactivity in the first place. So there's outliers in there. There's definitely some dogs in my channel that just hate people and hate other dogs. They're out there. So can
2: I go to that point?
1: Of
2: course. So like he is the happiest dog, actually is super affectionate, loves attention. So like, I don't think it's, that at all i think it's definitely the obedience and he just doesn't know what to do so he's just nervous so if i get him at a threshold where it's close enough where he notices someone but he's not reacting he will sit and he will make eye contact with me like we have a great relationship to an extent i just don't know how to better it like i don't i do the trainings obviously i'm not doing a great enough job but like what do i what's my next step i don't know how to make him value me more Um, or maybe like, how do I make him think that I'm his leader? Like he, I don't know what else to do.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different things. So again, it's very overwhelming. I understand where you're coming from. You feel just like at the end of the leash and uh, start focusing. So I want you, so, okay. I want you to understand why these things are likely happening. And it's because your dog's getting away with everything and you don't really have much Mm -hmm. to say okay so okay let's okay let's let's do this you get your dog on the leash you tell him to sit he doesn't sit what do you do
2: i just stand there until he sits i make him okay
1: perfect so you would stand there until he sat meaning like would you tell him to sit again what would you do
2: um yeah i mean if he's like he's good like if i say his name he'll look at me like we make eye contact good um if he he will sit on my first command, but let's say someone's coming and he's like more interested in that, I may vibrate on his e collar and I may walk backwards just to get him like walking with me and then put him in a sit.
1: Okay. So your accountability right now for behavior that he knows is the vibration. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Or I just move him and try again. Like I don't know how to punish him without, I don't know what to do.
1: Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's it. That's you're in a, you're in a, listen, you're in a place that most of my owners are in. So this is all very routine for me. So don't feel like you're, you can, you can get out of this. is what I'm trying to say. I'm giving you hope here. So when you're, when you're in this situation, there's a couple things. Let me ask you this. How well does he know the sit do you think?
2: Oh, good. He'll
1: Perfect. Okay, so this is your this is your sequence, right? And this is like dog training one hundred and one, like legit. You have a behavior that the dog knows. You've practiced it. You've preconditioned it. The dog understands it. Yada. They, you tell the dog to do the behavior. They choose not to because they're interested in something else, which is mm-hmm. where positive reinforcement will fail. Because if you're Training is predicated off of positive reinforcement-based training. Your dog is very, very, very likely, almost 90% chance or higher, that your dog is going to blow the behavior off because your mm-hmm. training is predicated off of some sort of currency or, or, or value or some sort of um, reward, okay? So that is very subjective to what we would call a reward for a dog because the dog can say you have a piece of food on your hip you say sit historically you've taught your dog to cue to sit to then get paid that's normal that's what we do with eight to 12 week old puppies to shape sculpt mold etc but the moment the dog sees something else that becomes more valuable than whatever reward-based system you have on your persons they that thing whether it's a dog person cat squirrel chipmunk, kangaroo, whatever, is going to hold court in your dog's brain. And so oftentimes, this is where people get dog owners, right? You get into this situation where you go, okay, this isn't working now. So you either pull back, the dog starts going and starts hyperventilating, jumping, spinning, reacting, whatever. And this is where you come into a problem. So my suggestion is start working on A clearer correction tool to hold your dog accountable for that punishment, because, like you already said, he's flipping you off. And at that Mm -hmm. moment, when you allow him to get away with that, that's going to make your reactivity far worse. And I've seen it time and time and time and time and time again. They go, "Hey, I'm going to get where we are." Yes, you likely are. I'm going to go here. I don't care what you said. Yes, I heard you. I'm not going to do it. And then you. Don't, you don't have any ability to counter the dog's emotions there. So they're not going to care about the positive reinforcement because they're already finding a different resource to be motivated by, which is a person or a dog. And so that's where if the e-collar doesn't work, you got to just switch gears to something else. And the e-collar is really an advanced system. What are you using outside of the remote collar uh, for, for equipment?
2: So I hate to be this person, but I like, don't trust him. So like we are e-collar 24 seven. Um, I, I just bought, I think you suggested it's got like a Herman Springer prong collar. I just bought one the other day, but it's actually too small. So I need to go exchange to a bigger one, but I think a prong collar would be easier for me to use correctly, but I'm just so scared.
1: Yep. And that's good. I, you, you should have that hesitancy. That's Okay. What I mean by that is is you want to make sure – the reason why you're scared is because you don't want to mess it up and you don't want to do it wrong. Yes. And that's what I mean by that. You want to be educated before you use these tools. Because like anything else, right? Like you go out and you're like, oh, I don't have my license, so I'm going to buy a car. Well, maybe you should just learn how to drive first. So, yeah. um, okay. Uh, so that's where I would start. Like the prong collar is good, especially for a big dog like this. Like anything that has great dane in it is going to be large and uh, strong and – big. So the prong collar is likely a good step because that way it saves you from the ladder of like, we'll start off with a slip or a martingale and then we'll go to the plastic pinch. And then eventually we'll probably go to the prong because you're already like the dog is past the work that you should have been doing prior, which means yes. that, does that make Okay. I'm glad that makes sense. Cause I had to like,
2: I promise I've done my homework and I, nothing you say is going to offend me. I just need help. Okay.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So it just, he's already a, 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 like four steps ahead of you. And so you're playing catch up at this point. You're not trying yeah. to stop something before it gets worse. You're already there. And so the e-caller is good, but, um, it's an advanced tool. And I just wouldn't suggest using it because you really don't want to bite off more than you can chew. And I feel like it's okay to use for intervention like you're doing, like you hit the pager to disrupt the behavior. But once your dog starts to get frustrated and kind of spiral, that's where you want to like park it a little bit and go back down to the basics. So I would, the Herm Springer is going to be good. Um, You'll definitely have to make sure it's fit properly. Um, And then make sure you have a Also making sure that you have a safety clip on that, on that collar. So when you're, uh, okay. So when you're developing with the prong collar, the prong collar is your tool. That's your communication skills. That's like a carpenter heading to work with a screwdriver. Like that's your ability to craft this dog at this point. Now, if you Mm -hmm. were to say, Hey, I got this eight week old Dane mix. Where should I start? We would be having a different conversation, right? Totally different. But we're not. And this is my job. This is what a lot of people don't understand that don't kind of understand uh like overall behavioral training is they look at a video and they say, Why wouldn't you do these things? It's like, well, we're not there. We don't we can't train how you would train an eight week old puppy or a dog with no problems, the same way we would train this dog with problems that's already far ahead of us. So yeah, so we're gonna go to using the prong collar to enforce behaviors without the high levels of stimulation. So don't, mm-hmm. don't practice this in the game. So you'll go home and you'll work on the basic obedience. The leash and the collar is your enforcement. So that's how you enforce behaviors, like a law enforcement enforces laws. Like that's how that works. So you say, sit, the dog goes, okay. If they don't, you're going to use the collar to pop up to correct the dog or just light pressure up. Now you might mm-hmm. be thinking, "Oh, well he's going to do good when there's not people." I get it. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to go from first grade to a senior. Like that's too fast, too quick. So
0: mm-hmm. what you do
1: is you start adding in different distractions to hold the dog accountable. Um, just lightly. Not trying to go head into other people. So maybe get a ball, get his favorite food, things like that. And you start throwing them in through th- Excuse me, you start throwing them in front of him or You just get creative to say, hey, I'm going to test you. We just did this with a couple of dogs at a shelter I worked at a couple of days ago in Phoenix, Arizona. We put a dog in a place. The dog had a bite history. The dog growled at me. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, and you can look at this on my Instagram as well. We did the same thing. Put the dog in a place. Dog went to the place. I threw the piece of food. The dog got up. I said, that piece of food is me. So if you're worried about this dog getting adopted or you're concerned or you just want the dog to get adopted, the food is me. So he just, so you told him the place he wanted to go get something that he felt like he wanted and he completely ignored you. So Mm -hmm. on one end of the spectrum, it's the food, which is beneficial for him, but he broke the obedience. But on the other end of the Mm -hmm. spectrum, when it's maybe more aggressive behavior, it's the same exact principle. The dog is saying, I know what you told me to do, but I'm disobeying. And that's just like, that's just life. Like that's what dogs are going to do. They're savages. Mm -hmm. So you have to get back down to the basics to start working on these thresholds and these things. Cause right now you're just chewing on this big thing and you can't digest anything. Like nothing is working. Nothing's making sense. You're frustrated, etc. You have to take a step back. I
2: just have people telling you to put them down and like actual behavioralists are just like turning me away. And it just like, feels like I'm drowning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, this is my, that's my jam. I mean, I talk to people like you every single day that are in these situations and Couple things, you know. Just on that note, like behaviorists are, um, I re- I respect the the job, but you have to understand, like they're they only are hired as their job is to diagnose what's going on. So they're not trainers. Yeah. So you know, going to the mechanic expecting to get your teeth cleaned, it's like, hey, I'm going to go to the behaviorist expecting my dog to be trained. That's not going to work. The only thing you're going to walk away from that is. It depends. I I don't want to talk shit about behaviors because some of them have been really helpful. Most of them have been, here's prescription. This is why your dog is doing it. They don't touch the dog. They don't hold the leash. They don't definitely don't train. They don't bring the dog anywhere. That's just been my experience, the vast majority of behaviors, which isn't a bad thing. It's just when dog owners like yourself go to behaviors because you see like this PhD on the window and you say, hey, this must be the Mm -hmm. thing. And they go, yeah, exactly. The The amount of dogs that I've worked with that have supposed to been euthanized or on uh, a gambit of me- medication after just working with a skilled, knowledgeable trainer. It, like that's, that's like not 50%, but like probably 20%. I know, of And that's months.
2: why I'm like obsessed with your training.
1: Yeah. Okay, um, good. So you get, you can get Can I it.
2: connect with you on that? Yeah, totally. Um, so they have prescribed him Prozac and there's something else. I just can't remember what it is, but it, I think it's making him like more agitated. It makes him drool. And every time I go, she just can't, like wants to up his dosage and I now I just feel like he's a zombie sometimes. It just like what's your take on I, I know that you're not trying to overstep, but like if you're in my shoes, what do you want to do?
1: I want to a couple things. Often I mean, I'm gonna be real. Oftentimes, like I, I talk to so many dog owners and they've never effectively punish their dog for the behavior they're desperately trying to get rid of. Yeah. I mean, it, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it, how often that conversation goes. And because, you know, people pay for an hour or even three days or a seminar with me, but sometimes it's that simple. Hey, Tom, I guess I got to this thing. It's either they haven't taught the dog the behavior they want to do differently. So my dog's pulling me on the leash. How's your heel? What's that? Okay, Let's work on that. Or often it's here. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing that's effectively punishing your dog for this behavior?
2: I don't correct him. You're yeah. right.
1: That's it. So there you go. Okay. So it's like, so think about this. Okay. It's, it's, mm, it's that simple, but it's also, there is more work to it than that. But I, I just like on the shell, like, you watch my videos. You've you've seen the things I do, and it's like there is no smoke and mirrors there. It's sometimes that simple. Like dogs come in with a problem, and their owners are like, "I've never." They, really, what it gets down to is like, "Okay, we've never punched the dog. It's just never happened." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Okay, so now's this now's the time when you're at your wits end and you feel like you're drowning. We should start telling the dog what they're doing is wrong, and yep. that's where you should start. I mean." So that's, that's the, the answer to your question is like, where would you start? That would be it. <clears throat> so if I was there, I would say, p- 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 correct your dog when they when they do So to correct your dog when they do something wrong. <sighs> so I, it's just, it's easy to get overwhelmed with everything because you, you're often like, oftentimes dog owners like look in the wrong places for answers. And that's why they feel so discouraged is because again, like behaviorists and other trainers, they're, they they do not do what you need. Right. So it's not that your dog is this. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't know your dog, but I'm just saying it's it's likely that your dog isn't this freak show of a dog that is like you have to put down. But when you go to when you go to a behaviorist and they go, here's a bunch of medication, if that doesn't work, put the dog down. That's their job. Like that's what they do. Like that is literally their clinical job is to diagnose a dog's behavioral problems, give you advice on how to change it, write you a script to hopefully help change the behavior. And listen, I'm not against medication. It it changes lives. It betters lives. But I'm just saying like, that's the remote. Or if you go to another trainer that is a positive only reward based trainer, where they only believe in positive reinforcement. If you have a behavioral problem that is also not going to line up, that doesn't exist. Yep positive reinforcement trainers are to teach behaviors. And that's it. The line is drawn right there. It says it on their website. It says it on their business cards. It says it in their Instagram profile picture and their TikTok positive reinforcement trainer. only. That means that you only shape mold guide behaviors. So when something bad happens or your dog does something wrong, but that doesn't even exist. That's just a marketing thing. Anytime you put a dog on a leash, you're telling them that they can't do something they want to do. They want to run away from you. They want to go chase stuff. You can, anyway, it's a whole thing. So that's I where ask I would you something start. Something that's like yeah, very
2: sure. entry level. I don't know how to correct this fucking dog.
1: Yeah, I know mm-hmm.
2: with the prong. I understand that's a really clear correction. I don't know. I don't know how to do this.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I can help you with that. So, so that's that's what I was saying before is what you want to, you don't want to go out and go to the game and just correct the dog for barking. That's not going to work. You want to teach. The, so you go back down to, okay, let me see. So, okay. Let, no, no, you're not at all. You're the best. Like you're not the worst at all. This is just, um, I just want to explain it in a way that, that was really helpful to you because I can feel your pain. So let's, let's put it to you this way. Okay. So let's just say we have a kid, say the kid's five. Okay. And we bring the kid to the park and we say, Hey, don't go across the parking lot, play on these swings. I know that there's slides across the parking lot, but you can't go there because it's dangerous, but you don't tell them that you just say, Hey, you can't go there. Don't go there. Okay. So they play on the swings, which is good. They're playing on the swings, which is good. And all of a sudden you turn your back and the kid's sprinting across the parking lot. Right. And you go, Hey, stop. Like at that moment, that very moment, that kid's going to turn it. They're either going to laugh and go, ah, oh, yeah, okay. And they're going to keep going, which is going to put them into danger, or they're going to go, Err, and they're going to, oh, crap. And they're going to come running back. Now, the reason typically why that those two shifts happen is because of your pre-existing relationship. So at some point you've corrected that kid to some degree to make them listen to you, right? Trust you respect you react to what you're saying instead of literally just walk right through it i mean how many times have we seen that with kids in airports or in restaurants or on vacation or same thing with dogs it's like they they literally are like you might as well just drop the leash just just walk away Mm -hmm. like listen this is the worst and so you have to you don't have that relationship right now so when you yell to your kid running across the parking lot they're not going to hold halt the brakes and go oh wait what'd you say they're going to keep going so in order to start developing that relationship, you just have to start at the threshold. So let's just say, say this, we talked about this early a little bit. You go to a door, your dog is on a prong collar, your dog is on a leash. Those are just the tools for a dog this size and where you're at. So what you do is you open the door, the dog goes, yep, we're walking through. Now, and, and I'm just going to go through this sequence and this may be applicable to you, but I know it's applicable to applicable to you at some degree just maybe not with this you may because this is what here oh no no, he's great with stay okay then sit or down or place whatever i'm just giving you an example you go to the door you slide open the door the dog wants to go through you take your leash as your dog is about to go through and you correct your dog Uh -uh, nope correction so this is the very fundamental thing that we're talking about the dog wants to do something they go hey i'm out of here the door is opened you correct the dog. They stop in their tracks and you go ah, ah, at the same time. So you didn't do stay. You didn't do leave it. You didn't do sit. You could have, but you didn't. You just said, Hey, no, ah, ah, like that. Okay. You shut the door. You open it again. The dog goes through again, correction, and you're snapping that collar. So to answer your question a little bit more granularly, how do you correct the dog? You're snapping the collar in the direction you want the dog to go. So if they're going forward, you're snapping it back. You're not doing it hard. You're not doing it to try to, to hurt the dog. You're just doing it to snap the dog's attention. You're doing it as fast as you can. Okay. Okay. So snap. Uh-uh, like that. That's boundary setting right there. That's something you probably lack. Yes, for sure. So that's where you start. So so then two, things, two beautiful things happen here. The dog goes, oh. A, you're holding the dog accountable for probably the very first time. Where you're like, hey, you can't walk. You can't walk through that door until I release you. Okay. And then the other really beautiful thing about the whole concept of boundary setting is the dog starts putting more trust into you, starts becoming more engaged with you, starts asking for permission, starts looking at you. Like when I do this with clients, they go, oh my God, my dog's looking at me. My dog's never looked at me. It's because you've never given your dog a reason to. And it's not even like, I guess it's my opinion and subjective, but it's just, it's subjective to the thousands and thousands and thousands of dogs I've I've trained and filmed and put up there. You know what I mean? Like you could do it other ways. It's just, I have found the profound ability to just set boundaries solves 80% of p- behavioral problems outside of genetics. So yeah. it's really beautiful and, and really easy concept if you can kind of figure out the the game. And so- that right there, that boundary setting, the micro is, you're just setting a boundary. But the bigger picture is, is your dog's like, oh shit. Like you're putting your foot down here. Like you're, I can't do this. And that, that sometimes helps dog go and they just like melt away and they just start becoming calmer and more relaxed and they start listening to you. But the other end of the spectrum is you're beginning the stages of holding your dog accountable at a small level. You're not waiting mm-hmm. for the dog to be exploding in the leash trying to kill somebody. You're holding your dog accountable at a small level. So again, you're learning how to like ride your bike on training wheels at that point. Now, once you go out okay. to the arena and you're starting to go downhill without the training wheels, like you got to have your practice in. And the way to start practicing is those thresholds. The other thing you can do in conjunction with that, take a piece of food, throw it on the ground, Tell, tell your dog to stay or sit or whatever. Put your dog, sit. They go into a sit. You throw the piece of the food on the ground. They go, oh, that's mine. Correction. Nope, it's not. Boundary setting. Thresholds. Okay. That's what you start doing. And that's why when you do it in the beginning, it's, it's really, really nice because in the future, the dog just molds into this really nice dog. But again, there's some dogs that are just like, yeah, I still don't like dogs. But your control is so nice. Your relationship is so nice. Your ability to tell the dog to do something and they do it is nice, but there's, there, you still have to manage the situation. Like you can, st- you, your dog, your dog can hate other dogs, but you can still live with other dogs, but you have to manage it. And it doesn't have mm-hmm. anything to do with your training at that point. It has to do with your management of like, my obedience is really great. There's nothing I can do to change this. This is how things are going to go. Okay. Um. So anyway, that's where you can start uh, with those things. And I can give you like, again, thresholds at the door. Uh, basic place sit stay or whatever with food or a ball and once you get it down where the dog is not just lunging like your dog right now is just grabbing gears they see it they got it Mm -hmm. it's theirs boom explosive you don't exist there's no filter they run across the parking lot even though you told them not to they don't care because you haven't practiced it so i have a video on my instagram uh, that i posted like two days ago when i was in phoenix it's a really good thing for you to check out uh, this shelter dog was, um, we, uh, on a cot stay through a piece of food dog got off. She corrected the dog kind of, but not really through a piece of food. The dog got off. She, she was a little bit better at the correction. She threw the f- piece of food the third time she corrected the dog with the proper snap. The dog sat there, didn't move, got corrected. She f- threw the f- piece of food the fourth time the dog didn't move. So the dog learned that that boundary was set. And you're using mm-hmm. a form of punishment slash compulsion to say, I know you want this. You'd rather be eating that food, but I told you you can't, so you're going to stay here. You have. To, I'm forcing you to stay here, right? So, again, any anybody anybody says force-free dog training, they're lying to you. They, there's there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Yeah. The dog always wants to do something. Like you leave the house and the dog wants to go with you to, to work in your office uh, and your cubicle, you better bring your dog to work because you're a force-free dog trainer, <laughs> right? You know, you know what I'm saying. I'm just I'm giving you these things cuz I know you've done your research and your mind is spinning, and you're trying to find the right thing and it's overwhelming, but I'm just giving you perspective of things that when you tell your dog to do something, you have to enforce it and if they don't, your relationship starts to just crumble because they know that there's no foundation there.
2: Okay.
1: So that's where you start. Um now my suggestion is watch my prong collar videos. I have a, th- at least 3 really good ones on my YouTube channel absolutely for free. Um so you can so you, you need to know about the equipment, you need to know how to fit it, you need to know how the mechanics work. Because you can get a screwdriver, but it's not gonna mean you can build a house. So you can get a prong call all you want. Doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not this like fix it thing. You have to use the tool. It's not just gonna work itself out. You have to know how to use it, you gotta know how to size it. So that's my suggestion. And then once you start working on these things, there's also, I'm giving you homework here. There's also a video that I just posted, my latest Full length upload on my YouTube channel with a Malinois, so okay. it's we were it's literally using positive reinforcement to basically use constructive avoidance to have your dog not react um, is really what okay. it is, and it's called the the, def, the title is this forces all dogs to be reactive and fearful, so that is probably the most updated best version of using uh, countering to stop a dog from reacting. So you have to have good handling skills in order to achieve those goals. And oftentimes, again, people don't have any handling skills. So we go into it with like 10 things we have to work on and you're not going to, you know, so it's just, you're just gonna have to take time building what you have to do because you have a hard dog. You're in a tough situation being, having a reactive dog in the city or in an apartment. So it's not easy. So it's not like you're failing. It's like, you had a really easy project and then it turned really hard, really quick. So it's, it's not like you've done anything wrong. It's just now it's much, much harder. So anyway, that video, this forces all dogs to be reactive and fearful is really, really good for how you can use obedience to counter reactivity. But yeah, but in your case, like this, this isn't going to be realistic. This is just one. This is the positive reinforcement side, This is the one, and I even say in the beginning of the video, like if and when your reward based system goes out the window, because there is going to be a time where that does, I want to make sure all my clients have an opportunity to bounce back from that using some sort of correction. And that's, anyway, that's what that video is kind of about is using, here's how to do positive reinforcement to use constructive avoidance. That's a beautiful video to watch. And then but you have to start there because you can't go out and full blown. Correct. Like you're really you're, you correct your dog. That's why he's redirecting on you. And that's why he's pissed at you because he's like, we don't have that relationship. You don't tell me what yeah, to do. He
2: like legit is bitching at me. When exactly.
1: I that's a good way. He'll to put sit it.
2: And then he starts to bitch at me and it's like, what the, you've never that's, done this.
1: That's a, me. that's a great way to put it. He's frustrated. Cause he's like, mom, you, we don't have that. You, you, it's like your little brother or sister are starting to boss you around. You're like, what? No, this, mm-mm, mm-mm, this is not working like this. I'm in charge. You're not. Sit back down. And so that's what you're seeing. Is you're seeing you're you're seeing reactivity. So the dog sees a dog and or person reacts, and then you're seeing frustration. So when you mm-hmm. say, "Hey, leave it," no, you haven't spoke those words to this dog before. So when you do it in a realistic situation at a high intense level, stimulated level you're failing. That's why you're so, so really to me, you're like, Hey Tom, uh, I've never ridden a bike. I just entered the tour de France and you're Lance Armstrong and I failed. You need to help. And I'm like, you've never ridden a bike. Of course you failed. Like pull yourself (laughs) together here. Like, of course you failed. Like this is not you, you, you a hundred percent set yourself up here. So that's where to start.
2: How much time do you think, I know this is a jaded question. But realistically, I'm not the best dog owner. How much time do I need to a lot like to train my dog a day?
1: Um, okay, two things. It's not a jaded question, and I would argue that you're. <laughs> I don't think you're a bad dog owner because you've paid me to help you. There's a lot of people who just let their dogs be reactive or just kill them. So, don't be yeah. so hard on yourself. Yeah. The other thing is, is training doesn't have to be like, I understand like not everybody can stay at home with their dog and train all day. Like I can, cause that's my job and I get paid to do it. Yeah. Like, right. But, uh, not everybody has that luxury. So it, the reality is, is you just want to get good quality sessions in, uh, I would say 10, 15 minute sessions throughout the day. If you can do three of those a day, that'd be great. If you can do 10, that would be better. Like working out, mm-hmm. how fast do you want to get results? Okay. The other thing is, is they also need uh, the physical stimulation as well. So they need more than just training. They also need uh, physical exercise. Bigger dogs tend to need less physical exercise than like smaller or medium dogs. Like a a Border Collie is probably going to outrun your Dane mix all day. So those are also things like I would be doing things in conjunction with mental stimulation with um, – like you a know, treadmill, or something? yeah, treadmill, or you know, just long walks or something like that. But ideally, okay, it would so be. so scared
2: to walk this dog. Sure. it's Then that, yeah, treadmill. That's treadmills. why another reason why he's just been horrible.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's a perpetuating thing. It just keeps going into each other. Like it just never ends. And I understand that it happens every day to people. Um. So yeah, treadmills great. Uh, flirt poles are awesome. um What is that? Flirt poles like a big cat toy for a dog. You can get them on Amazon. Okay. And just like a dog flirt pole. Um. Yeah. So doing things like doing things like that, um, it, it, mental and physical stimulation, very, very, very important. Um, and yeah, it, the, the other thing that you can do too, depending on again, like what, how serious you are about this, where you're at, like, I don't know. Um, some people have a really hard time finding a time, and professionals in their area that they can trust and or um, are effective with working with them you can also work with me online at a higher level which means you can send me footage of you working with your dog and I'll be able to like every week give you back feedback on that Um, that's Mm -hmm. another option um, which has been really really helpful and successful with dogs all over the world because the big thing for most people is time they can't they can't go to training class and if they do go to training class maybe that trainer isn't equipped or knowledgeable to help them with that and so in this case uh the new program that we created is kind of best of both worlds so i'm just throwing that out there but i would go back down to the basics and start off with training on your basics i also have a course called the no bad dog kickstarter course which is good for people like yourself so
0: okay
2: yeah um So I was, so that targets exactly. So I don't have a whole lot of time. I I need to make time. I understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe the weekly course would be best, but um, what's your take on a dog with separation anxiety on a board and train? It to me sounds just dangerous. Uh,
1: So a board and train with a dog with separation anxiety.
2: My dog has really bad separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. I can't even go to the grocery store without him getting physically sick. So Um, I was thinking since I don't have time, someone else could train him, but this would just be horrible for him. I don't think he would get anything from it.
1: um, Yeah. It's tough uh, to say because also like a lot of dogs, like a lot of dog owners who think of this stuff where it's like, Hey, my dog, like can't live without me. And that may be true. I'm not trying to discredit that. That definitely may be true. However, uh, you'd be surprised like what, a dog will do a week away from their owner. Like they completely
2: fall over and die, but he's, it's going to be hard the first three days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be hard the first three days, no matter what. Like that doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know what, what kind of, yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be harder for you, I would say. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, so there's a lot of things that you can do, but, uh, the, the board and train is, yeah, it's a good option for sure. Uh, boarding trains are good because you can kind of see like what your dog is capable of, um, with a professional. Like, that's the good thing. Like for an example, when I go to shelters and stuff, like I'm not there to train dogs and I mean, I mean, I am, but the reality is, is I show the, the volunteers, like what these dogs are capable of and say, Hey, this is what you could do here. Anyway, Mm um, but yeah, I mean, feel it out. I mean, if it's a local place, worst case scenario is, is like, they're like, hey, your dog hasn't eaten in seven days, come pick him up. And then you're like, okay, best case scenario is, uh, then your dog gets better and you find a trainer that you trust that can, you know, help you out with it. But the reality is, is like, it's going to be up to you because as uh, somebody who has a board and train program, like we're going to get your dog in the, whipped into shape and obedient and listening and blah, blah, blah. But if you don't put in the time, you know, then, yeah, it's.
2: So you're just gonna revert right back to? Oh yeah,
1: hundred percent. It's like hiring hiring a personal trainer. If I'm the personal trainer, you're like, hey, I want to get in the best shape of my life, and I'm like, okay, you got to eat this, you got to work out this. We do it. I whip your butt in the shape. You're great. And then six months later, you just stop doing everything. I'm like, okay, just let me know when you want to sign up again. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So yeah, it's 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 it's. So I just wanted you to be aware of that because, again, a lot of people have the misconception of dog trainers just fix everything. And to some degree, yeah, like we we fix a lot of dog owners' problems, but we also don't create them. Dog owners do. So we kind of like, yeah. you know, yeah, anyway.
2: Okay, so, cool. It's um, a, one other, sorry, no? mentioned boundaries today. He doesn't have boundaries at home. Um, I stopped free feeding what else can i do to set boundaries i know you've mentioned you know correcting him and doing a little bit of training throwing the food and just seeing his impulse control but like is there anything else that you can think of or any other boundaries a healthy dog has that my dog has no boundaries
1: um what's the question
2: so like do you like what is your take on a dog getting on the furniture like he's entitled to my space is his space
1: okay so is that
2: appropriate or not
1: mm, no I mean, really like like no like it's is it appropriate no but if you had a good healthy relationship with your dog your dog could do whatever you want until you say otherwise like mm-hmm. they okay so the whole uh furniture thing like a lot of people will say like hey um Shut limit dog in the furniture. It's like it's not about that. It's about your ability to tell your dog to get off the furniture. That's where people have a problem because they don't have a good relationship. They don't have boundaries. They don't. Ha- the dogs. The dog flips you off and says, "Screw you!" And then you get into a, mm-hmm. a, a conflict because they're sleepy and tired and they don't want to get off. And then they might fight you. And then they're growling and they're nipping at you. And it's this whole thing. It's like and that's where like a lot of people, you know, they they're like, "Oh, you know, my dog trainer said my dog shouldn't get on the couch." And it's like it's not m- so much about that. It's really more about your ability to control just say hey get off you know and then the dog gets off and that's it so anyway
2: do you think i should start making those decisions now while i'm trying to better this relationship or just leave things and just do smaller boundaries
1: small start small start small and build okay. up yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to start small and build up don't bite off again like This dog has never been punished in his life. So you're going to come out the gate swinging and it's not going to be, it's not going to be, it's not going to be great. It's not going to be great at all. Um, it's probably going to be, uh, like, like you're already kind of witnessing. It's going to be more, um, uh, conflicting than anything you're going to see a lot of conflict Mm -hmm. so start off small like start so again if you punish your dog at a very small level and you start building up that threshold of control and boundaries instead of going out there and your dog really reacting and losing their mind and then you just slam the dog they're gonna be like
0: whoa 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 whoa." you
1: know what i mean yeah
2: okay cool um do you i you probably don't know how much this would be but for your weekly course do
1: you have an idea of what that looks like yeah uh let me just check really quick so my so there's a 30 day and then there's like a three months like 90 day thing okay the 90 day yeah let me check let me check 30 day and then there's the 30 day um So the 30 day is 427 for the month. And then the 90 day is 1100. So the 90 day obviously gives you three months, a lot of work Uh, we meet. So we meet once a week live. And then uh, once throughout the week, I also send you back um, all of the uh, homework of like, Hey, so I, I watch your video and record my reaction and send it back to you. So you know exactly what you're doing.
2: Okay. That's perfect. Okay. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I mean, is there anything you want to ask me or anything else we should connect on?
1: No, I, I just, I, I think that you have a big project and you need to do quite a bit of work in order to recalibrate uh, things. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing because right now you have a big project, you have a difficult dog, you're trying to get it sorted out. And this one phone call is going to be really helpful. It's going to kickstart you in the right direction, but it's certainly not going to train your dog to get to the next level. Um, it's definitely going to help. So my suggestion is, is like, keep training, find somebody that you can train with hopefully um, and, or, you know, sign up with me and we can work on more advanced stuff. Cause I, I can tell you what I can do there. Um, but that's, that's what I would do. Okay. Yeah. So uh- just, just keep, just keep working on it. Um, just keep getting, getting going, getting going each day, uh, separating your sessions, quality over quantity. Um, that's what I would do. Okay. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much for all of your time.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Good luck. And just remember like you can do it. It's just going to take some time and it's going to take consistency and some hard work, but you can get there. Uh, and, and I think that you definitely can come out on top. You just have to, you know, take, take a little, take a little bit different road down, down that.
2: Totally.
1: Okay. All right. Good luck. Yep. Wish, you, wish you luck. Yeah. All right. Bye. Yeah. Bye. All right, you guys, you reached the end of the podcast. The first question comes from JCB1128. Help me build my confidence. It can be so overwhelming. The best way to train your dog. I really want the good dog, but having a hard time knowing where to start with different approaches and voices out there. So thankful I found Tom. My question is, I really want my dog and my best friend's dog to be friends. We've tried introductions. And after listening to a recent podcast, realizing that we did it all wrong. We didn't start with neutral ground. My dog seemed to be happy and wants to be friends. And hers is reactive, growling, barking, snapping, resource guarding. What can we do to start? It's not too late. You just want to re reset things. So again, go for those walks. Start with the fence. Start with the uh, X-Pens if you can. Just doing everything you can to like reestablish that relationship if possible. I think that's the most important thing. Um, I also think that uh, removing anything that the dog can have resource guarding thoughts with uh, is, is also important. So like if there's bones, food, um, toys, any of those things need to be up and away because your dog is obviously really easily, uh, let's say... Uh, defensive and and potentially resource guarding with these things, so just make sure that those things are away and just do it the right way so start off outside neutral grounds, go in for walks um, and just doing everything you can to make it fair and as uh, safe as possible for the dogs to create a good relationship so there's no there's no issues there um, that's where I would start with that uh, and I wish you the best of luck and uh thanks for listening next one Lauren one eight oh four six months six month old German Shepherd. Her obedience is great. At this age, we work as much as possible, she really listens well and is in that teenager stage, and she gets very excited when certain people come over. She's whining, uh, and she's jumping, and I use a Herm Springer. I'll put her on her leash and keep her down and say no off, and she cries and whines with tail wagging, so she's excited. Eventually, she does come down and leaves that person alone. When this happens, I don't have her leash on. She has much fallen back, and I'm nervous that she's going to hurt herself and obviously don't want her to hurt herself. It's not malicious. She's just very sweet, and it's mainly with people that she's met before. Um, so... I, I still crate her with the doors open so I don't no I don't know if I should be putting her in her crate when people are coming over. I think that she's just at an age that's going to get better. So I think just continuing to to work on um, the training that you're doing is 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 important. So like correcting her when she jumps up is important. Making sure that she um, understands that jumping's bad, making sure that the people, you know, the people that are coming over to, to greet her, no, well, not necessarily her, but coming over and are greeting her. I think it's important that you also, um, are making sure that they're fair. So like not getting the dog riled up, not, uh, petting the dog and the wrong times. So kind of uh, rewarding the dog for these behaviors, things like that. Um, so that's important too, to make sure that you're what I call people managing or guest management. Um, so just making sure that the dogs aren't getting set up for failure, um so there's there's all that but then just correcting so making sure you say off so the dog you know wagging the tail up realizes that jumping is inappropriate and we're going to stop that um and that that should be sustainable like your dog shouldn't be jumping if they understand that it's not appropriate but also just making sure that you're timing it right so oftentimes people don't time the corrections right they don't do the corrections right um so just making sure that the correction is meaningful and the dog understands it and cares about it uh, and that's my suggestion right now but you know things could change so let me know what happens in the future if you're still listening all right next one comes from dylan Brinkman. so much good insight and knowledge on training dogs the highest standard i love listening to the podcast in the car while doing chores Question. When training a puppy, what do you do if they immediately listen or comply right away? If they don't. Scenarios. After we walk or potty, I ask my puppy to sit and wait by the door and it takes his leash off and open the door. He is sometimes still excited and won't sit right away. I just think that you're asking your dog to do something unrealistically. So your dog is in, t- in too much higher, your dog is in too much high state of mind and you're telling your dog or asking your dog to sit when they're overly stimulated. So that's likely what's happening there. So I would just not tell your dog to sit or ask your dog to sit under those circumstances because, um, that's, um, not going to happen under those circumstances. So, um, that's one thing. So setting your dog up more for success, uh, is is important there. And then let's see. The other thing is, mm, if you have to repeat the commands, that means that you're likely like your dog is probably not at a point again where you're asking your dog to do something uh, and they're just not prepared to do it or you don't have the skill sets to do it. So it just sounds to me like you're asking your dog to do something where they're not their their obedience isn't good enough for that yet. Uh, other times when we're walking and training, I'll ask him to go to his place and we'll not listen right away. So again, it's just uh, in some of your two videos, I've heard you mentioned to not repeat commands. Yeah, it just means that your dog's obedience isn't good enough uh, to be asking them to do the things that you're doing. That's what it seems. Uh, I believe that's what I would say. Uh, hopefully that is helpful. Thank you guys for listening again. If you're listening to this and you have a question for me, I'll answer it next podcast. Head over to the iTunes review chart, leave your question in your review, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Bye.